commitment, dedication, success. Copland, Keebler, and Wallace, the most trusted name in executive search and consulting, welcomes you to the KKNW podcast, where we delve deep into the not-so-simple art of hospitality. And now here's your host, award-winning journalist, compelling storyteller, and video strategist, Corey Saban. And welcome to the Copland, Keebler, and Wallace Leadership Podcast. It's great to be with you again. I'm Corey Sabin, and today we're joined by one of the newest additions to the KK&W team. His name is Michael Smith, a longtime hospitality professional. Michael, great to be with you. Thanks, Corey. It's great to be with you as well. So if you could, share a little bit about your industry experience and then the transition, if you would, from the trenches of country club management to executive search and placement. Absolutely. Well, I'm a second generation club manager. Uh, my mother was a manager for 30 years and uh, was the club manager at the Rochester Yacht Club for most of that time. Um, I was able to get into the industry by uh, uh, just a freak situation where my mother needed a, uh, a busser for a women's fashion show at the Rochester Yacht Club. And I thought, wow, this is a, a pretty cool idea. Um, you know, I've seen. <laughs> fashion shows on TV before. This must be really a unique thing. And went there and realized this is a much older demographic than I anticipated, but we, we definitely had a lot of fun. It was, um, it was, uh, you know, from there, my mother was able to just introduce me to so many different areas of, you know, the, the, the club. And, um, I was able to do things from, you know, busing tables, to washing dishes, to cleaning bathrooms, to washing boats. And, you know, when, when I didn't have time, when I had additional time, my mother would send me over to, um, you know, people's houses, uh, members that needed gardening or work done. So she always had a sense of, you know, putting me to work and, and finding uh, jobs for me to do at the Yacht Club. That's fantastic. And it seems like great leadership lessons that your mom instilled in you. And I'm sure you carried those on in your professional life when you became a GM. Is that correct? It is. I think she, she had a very strong work, work ethic. Both my parents did. And they tried to really instill that into me uh, early on. And from there, you know, I, I try to take those life lessons and use those and apply those for, you know, what I had in, in each of my roles and with, with every uh, level of, um, you know, either club management or, or restaurant experience, hotel experience. I, I try to take those principles and use those with my team. So working with your mom, is there any point at some time, Michael, where she came along after she retired and said, you know, Michael, thanks for having me visit the club today, but I would have done it this way. <laughs> My mother did that a lot. <laughs> she would, you know, I think we would always exchange uh, ideas. You know, I would go to her club as, I've, you know, as I was getting older and a little bit more further on in my career. You know, we, we would actually work off of each other. She would come to my club and say, you know, I do this differently. And, and I think eventually I, I started doing the same thing. I'd go to her club, but we, we had such a great open relationship that it was never, you know, nobody took anything negative from it. It was always in, in good heart and, and, you know, just trying to see our clubs be the best that they could be. So how's the transition been from uh, working in the club to now helping clubs in executive search and placement? It's been an amazing experience. I, this is a path that I've always wanted to, um, as I've moved further in my career path, um, an area that I wanted to get into. I enjoy working with clubs. I enjoy working with um, teams. 
And to me, that's where I was able to really gravitate to the most. And what I found, you know, just by working with, you know, KKNW and other projects, there was some pretty amazing people that are working for the firm. Uh, you know, yeah, you, you Dick, Kurt, and Tom are, are certainly the best of the best. And, you know, within their firm and organization, there is a number of uh, just outstanding people from administrators to other you know, executives. Uh, they really understand the industry and it's been just an amazing experience to work with them and, and, and learn from them very early on. Well, you've had a pretty distinguished career as a club general manager and doing a lot of great jobs at different clubs. I'm curious, as a club GM, when you're looking for an AGM, what are some of the attributes that make for a great number two? I think you know, the attributes that I would be looking for in an AGM are just a high level of organization. Um, you have to be organized in these in these positions, working with teams, working with a membership. Um, you have to have a high level of touch all the time at the club, uh, just being able to, you know, interact, see things that you wouldn't normally, you know, identify right away, things that would need to be either fixed or looked at within the club. Um, you have to be able to relate to your staff and understand that not every day is going to be a good day for them. AG, you know, the best AGMs uh, have to be the ones that coach their team up all the time and, and you know some other attributes that that i'd be looking for is you know are they an ambassador to the club outside of the club are they willing to promote the place that they work at are they are they the ones that are looking to find um, new ideas to add to the member experience and then just being a supportive person to your gm it seems like they're wearing two hats oftentimes, the AGM. They're not only uh, taking care of the staff and being a good liaison to the GM, but also placating the members and making sure they're happy. What advice would you give striving AGMs uh, for them to be successful in that role? I think, you know, the advice that I could give for AGMs striving to be in the role is do your best. Um, you, you know, continue to, to just, Come into the club every day wanting to learn. You know, be hungry at what you where you want to go in your career, um, and be open minded. Open minded to learning new things and, and working with your GM to you know give the best experience possible to your club. And there's a lot of navigating that has to go on, not only with the staff but the boards and the members as well. So, what are some successful leadership styles that you believe uh, will make someone a great candidate for an AGM? I think, you know, experience matters. I think as each, as you work through your career, the best AGMs have a good understanding of the operation within their club. Um, There's, you know, there's a level of engagement that they have with their teams. There is a level of engagement that they have with the membership. And, you know, they're, they're an active role. They're an active part of that. And I think, you know, they bring the best to the table um, with, you know, taking all those things, combining it and, and having your style of management. And visibility and active listening, I'm sure, play a huge role in that. A- absolutely. You've got to be a good listener, especially in, uh, you know, the private club industry. It's all about listening. It's understanding. It's, empathy, you know, showing empathy, having, having the ability to connect with your staff and, and with your membership all the time. So what characteristics make for a great partner to the GM or COO beyond this? I think, yeah, you know, I think characteristics 
that I found to be a great partner for me when I, when I was, uh, you know, in the GM CEO role with my EGM, I think it's, you know, it's being able to pivot with them at a moment's notice. Uh, we saw this a lot with COVID. Uh, my EGM was very active in helping me put together, you know, good communication. Uh, if we had to change direction on something, we, you know, we worked together to be able to do that. Uh, good AGMs are not frazzled by, you know, things that just aren't under your, under your control sometimes. And then, you know, the ability to just understand that they're going to just do their best and the rest will take care of itself. Communication's everything. You hit that on the head. I often advise clubs. It's get out in front of them because so often people will say, I didn't know about that. So especially if you're right. doing a capital project, it's explain what it is, explain the value to them, put out a piece of communication about Q&As that uh, may dispel rumors. Talk to me about communication and what could go wrong if clubs fail to embrace it. Well, it's so important to have good communication. I, I think members want to know that um, what, what the club is doing, uh, especially during times you know of a pandemic or crisis. That you have to be out in front all the time and communicating with to them, and you know communicate the good and communicate the, the not so good. You know the things that you're really struggling with. I, you know we we found that communication um, just you know in previous roles, the more you communicate the more members understand and they're willing to support you with whatever you're going through. Transparency is everything, right? Correct. So in your opinion, what are the members in the search committees looking for? Members in the search committees are, you know, I'm starting to find, and and even just in my own experiences, members are looking for um, a level of gravitas with a leader. You know, able to come in and understand, you know, and have a presence about them that is special. Uh, they, they are able to identify ways to mentor, ways to be, um, you know, develop a team. Um, again, going back to communication is extremely important. They, they have a presence about them that stands out and is noticeable. And, and what role does the GM, you think, or are obligated to play as a mentor? I think that's pretty important, don't you? Well, I, absolutely. I think, you know, being a mentor to an up-and-coming, you know, rising star is extremely important. I found just in my own personal growth and development that there are different types of management styles and leadership styles. And I think, you know, for an up-and-coming person to, you know, be able to learn from their GM, they're going to learn, you know, what works. And, and at times when you really need to get the team to rise or if they need somebody to, you know, be the, be the example at their clubs, EGMs are looking all the time to their, to their GMs to be able to do that. And, and the more that you can mentor and work closely with them, you're developing a relationship and they'll take those principles for their, for their own you know, roles as GMs in the future. And there's a trickle down effect. I would think as well, just when that AGM leaves to take a GM opportunity, there might be a gem under their tutelage that you may not even be aware of. You're absolutely right. So that's pretty interesting. Leadership is everything. And Michael, before we continue, I want to talk about the amazing leadership team at Copland, Keebler, and Wallace as it relates to their F&B training. The people in teams celebrated as the best will tell you how hard they work to achieve that status. They'll tell you they train every single day. 
You simply do not achieve excellence without training, and the programs crafted at Copland, Keebler, and Wallace grow passion and confidence. Their interactive workshops involve storytelling, sharing experiences, role-playing, situational awareness, and more. They connect your team to the experiences they are delivering by helping them enjoy the processes and products that your club is extending to the membership. Learn more at www.kkandw.com under section heading for our clients. We are talking to Michael Smith, one of the new additions to the Copland, Keebler, and Wallace team. Michael is a longtime hospitality professional. So, Michael, as you've grown as a leader within the private club industry, what advice would you give to industry professionals who are on the path to executive-level leadership? I would say the best thing you could do is network with as many professionals as you possibly can. That is one of the things that I've been able to take away just from years of going to conferences and to some of the, uh, you know, KKNW summits that are out there. Uh, I have found by, by networking, there are just some of the best people that you can get ideas for how to improve your club and just how to, how to grow professionally. Um, you know, I had early state, early on in my career, I had the New York state chapter of club managers. Um, and I had, I mean, chapter presidents and people, you know, I'm, I'm a young guy and I'm learning from some of the best in, in our chapter. And then that only grew to, you know, becoming involved in a lot of the speakers at conference, whether it's, you know, Robert Cerici at, at Medina country club or Joe Crane down at Farmington country club. You know, guys like that, um, Michael McCarthy, Jeff McFadden, those, those to me are guys that, um, I've gravitated to, you know, even though I've never worked for them, I've gained so much from them, uh, from an industry perspective and, and just leadership and understanding, you know, different roles that they play at their clubs. And it's been, uh, it's been pretty incredible. And even my own peers just within, you know, those that I've met with my network, you know, around Rochester, you know, just there's there's so many different levels of um, leadership types that I've been able to grow and develop my own personal success from. What would you define your leadership type as? My leadership type is somebody that is very open-minded, is uh, as a as a dedication to their craft. They want to continue to improve. That's how I am. I, I'm a lifelong learner. I, I've always felt that way. Um, there is no idea that I think is, is not a good one. It's just a matter of crafting it where does this work for me or not? Um, I have, I, I like to use the term and I did with my team, you know, being humble, uh, being hungry for growth. Those are things that are all, I think, attributes that you'd want to have in a club manager, but those are the ones that I've, I've drawn to the most. So as a lifelong learner, I'm sure you're an avid reader or there's some mentors or quotes that stick out to you. What are some of those? Is there a book that you suggest that people read to help them uh, grow as leaders and to help them in their career? I've, I've read, I, I, I like to read, I enjoy reading. I think the, the one book that I've been gravitating to, and I, I've used this a few times just in the last couple months, um, I just finished a book uh, from Three and Jackie Carpenter, it's called Employee First. And, um, it is all about being a, um, a, a role model, but also important, the importance of uh, being connected to your staff. Mm. And, and that is, to me is, is extremely important. 
Um, I'm reading a book now called Executive Presence, and it's talking about, you know, the distinct characteristics you want to have as a club executive or as a, as a leader. You know, those are books that I've always been drawn to. Um, you know, anything that has a, a good story to it where somebody's, you know, taken experience and used it to the, to the best of their ability, those are the stories that I, I, I really kind of gravitate towards. Well, what story stands out to you or maybe one that you've lived? You know, I had, um, I think the stories that, that stick out to me the most or the experiences that I've had is working with um, just my club presence at my club. Um, there's one in particular, uh, a previous club president that, you know, was very, always very supportive of me. And I've, I've taken so much from him to, to just grow and, and to be the best that I could be. He was, he was, um, he had a style characteristic that was very firm and very fair, but he's very supportive of our, our staff and the membership of the club. He always wanted to make sure that, you know, uh, there was, there was fairness across the club and that, you know, there was a common goal, common purpose for everything that we did. To me that I, I really gravitated towards that. I learned from that. So looking at it, you, you know, you talked about these great leaders in the club industry earlier. What have you learned from them? The Michael McCarthy's of the world, et cetera. I think they have been very uh, open to how to manage members <laughs> and manage their teams. And ex- ex- especially with, you know, some of the larger clubs that you get involved with, there, there's a lot of, um, I think, different personalities and different styles that, that come into play from members. Uh, you know, how to, how to work best with them, how to, how to find common ground, um, th- these guys have just, you could, it shows that they just ooze a, a leadership presence to them. Um, they are risk takers. You know, they're willing to bring completely different outside of the box ideas to their clubs. And, you know, to me, I, I just think it's, it's amazing to see them in their, in, in their roles and how they react to their memberships. They're just, they're constantly thinking of new ways to be the best they can be at their clubs and for, you know, for their membership and for their teams. You know, you mentioned risk. There's so many people that are risk adverse, but in your opinion, as a former GM and for people that are out there listening and how important is risk and moving that needle a little bit? I think risk is important. You have to be, you have to accept that sometimes you're going to fail with whatever risk that you take but sometimes risk can lead to great opportunity. And that was one of the things I've always, I always instilled in my team is take risks sometimes. Um, because the, you know, the ones that tend to not be the risk takers to your point, Corey, you know, those are the ones that are just going to be stuck in neutral always. Um, they're not going to bring a much for ideas to the table. Those are the ones that really have a hard time at their clubs. You have to, you have to be willing to, Try some risky things, different things, you know, obviously you don't want to be detrimental to your club, but you want to try different, you know, different ideas, something that you've never done before. And to me, when I've done those types of things, when I made those types of moves, um, the benefits outweigh, you know, the, the, the failures. And not to put you on the spot, but I will. Is there one that stands out to you, Michael? Maybe one that's worked um, out it, well and maybe one that you learned from that didn't work out so well. Yeah, I think, you know, working out well, there, there have been times I had, 
one of the challenges that I had that I faced when I first started uh, at the Country Club of Rochester, um, we had to, to decide very early on. Um, there, there was a big capital project that we were doing, and we had to get it right. And the capital project was we were um, building a new addition to the clubhouse. It was 11,000 square feet. It had to be, um, what was in it was a fitness center on the second floor. The first floor was a casual dining concept. And, you know, the coming into it, there was a lot of ideas like, what, what could this potentially be? Should we just keep it, you know, a, uh, a hamburger, hot dog, kind of walk up area like, like the club has always had, or do we go outside the box and do something completely different where it's more, uh, you know, a, a casual dining concept, uh, burgers, composed salads, different things that would be outside of the box that the club was not used to seeing. And, um, you know, that was something that we decided to, I pushed heavily to do that with our executive chef and our team to say, look, we, we want to do something different than we have done before. Um, and it was a dining concept that was it, nobody else had done uh, in our area. So, you know, we did it and we had a great level of success. We, we found that uh, we created an experience within the clubhouse that everyone wanted to come to. You could, you know, you could or come to the club anytime in your jeans, work out gear and, you know, utilize the club. And uh, we made the rules very relaxed from that perspective, which was a big risk because our club was traditionally, you know, you, you come in in your polo and your, you know, your golf shorts or a pair of slacks and that was it. This was something completely different. Um, and it was, it, it made for an, an, an exceptional experience to any of the members that came to the club. No, and with risk comes reward, as we're hearing, and along with that comes coaching as well. You need to turn your vision into reality with leadership coaching from KK&W. Leadership at a higher level is about creating value, and we are dedicated to helping leaders focus their limited time on doing the right things in a matter that is sustainable. Our process involves inquisitive interactions so leaders can gain insight and authentic awareness about their circumstances. The technique affords leaders the ability to recognize and choose their path forward with the support of coaching and accountability measures in place. Coaching services are fully customizable to personal or organizational needs. Learn more at www.kknw.com under section heading for our clients. We are talking with Michael Smith, one of the new additions to Copland, Keebler, and Wallace. So, Michael, as managers grow in their careers, what's the right time to seek change or advancement? You know, that's a good question, Corey. I, you know, I, I've heard this, and this, my own personal experience from this is, is dead on. You never know when that time is going to be, but you know when it happens. Um, I, I experienced that, um, a, a few times in my career where, you know, I'm moving along and the club has been good to me. I've been good to the club. But then one day you, you, you wake up and you realize, no, <laughs> the idea of wanting to do something different comes into your mind and comes into play. And you ask yourself, have I accomplished everything that I wanted to accomplish at my club? And, and if you can honestly answer that question, that's the right time. Um, some people try to use years. I think, you know, a lot of times you have a vision in mind, well, I'm going to be at my club for three years or five years or 10 years. 
and that doesn't always work out that way. Now, you know, I, I was working with one of my previous assistant managers who, you know, we, we specifically tried to plan a, a timeline of when they were going to be at the club. And they went over that timeline, but they gained so much more by staying a little bit longer and gaining the knowledge that they wanted to gain. And, and I've had other managers where, you know, they've plugged along and all of a sudden it's like, you're ready. Here's an opportunity. Go for it. So I don't think that there's, you know, a, you can't place a time limit on things. I think you can always envision it, but at the same time, you have to be flexible to say this, this may not happen. And that's, that's how it has worked always in my career. So you know what, when you feel it, you know, it when you feel it. Yeah, no, I totally understand that. Uh, 100%. So when you're looking at professionals or people that were on your team, how can you know when they're ready for their next opportunity if they can't identify it? We set goals as a manage, as a, general manager, I always tried to set goals with my team, uh, especially the ones that I knew wanted to advance and grow professionally. And every year we would review those goals. We'd talk about it. Um, if there was an opportunity that I felt would give them, you know, a leg up where they could learn, I'd always try to do that. And, and to me, that was always very important. Um, I think that's a philosophy. Any solid leader should have, you know, is be able to identify that and help them achieve, you know, the goals that they want to, where they want to go. And it's interesting. You pointed out you would meet with them. How often do you think you should meet with your AGM or someone that's aspiring to be an AGM? And when do you, what if they're not even ready for that role? When do you start saying to them, Hey, this is something I see in you, et cetera. Well, I, th- I think it comes back to that mentoring process. I, you know, I made it a point to meet with my department heads on a regular basis. And in, in we'll just say AGM. I, AGM is important, especially because they're, they're the ones that are your secondhand person. And, you know, for me, I, I, I it would always be frequently we talk about, I, I want to know, not diving deep in their personal life, but you know, what, what are you doing outside of the club, you know, and, and developing that relationship there, but also trying to take those characteristics and apply them to the club. Okay. You know, let's continue to, you know, have a relationship where I'm helping you out. I'm helping you develop. And so the, long story short, we would always try, I'd always try to work with my um, AGM on a regular basis, but we'd have departmental meetings. We'd have, uh, different committee meetings where I'd have them involved all the time, you know, and I think that those experiences help them grow and develop as well. What advice would you give people that are striving to become an AGM? I would say, you know, it's important to continue to be open-minded. Um, I think you, to all different types of change and things that can happen, uh, in a club, you know, clubs are dynamic that way. You have to, there's, there's no set guidelines of what to follow. I mean, there's, there's obviously standard operating procedures, but you know, on a, on a day to day, it's never the same thing that you're doing at your club. So, you know, I think the more that you get to experiences, experience those different types of things, uh, the more you develop your own skill sets. Um, And it's interesting, earlier you mentioned uh, networking. I think so many, and you tell me your thoughts on this, um, 
it seems that a lot of the younger people out there are somewhat afraid to approach people, but what advice would you give them uh, in regards to approaching the leaders in your industries, the Michaels, the Roberts, the Joes, et cetera? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think that's something that we're going to have to do, you know, us as general managers and leaders of the industry now is continue to reach out and connect. For some reason, I think in the in the day and age, and I see this with my kids, you know, they're 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 more drawn from the technology side because you know social media. It's a lot easier to hide behind an email or hide behind you know Facebook or Instagram or you know other different types of outlets. And there is a little bit of a challenge with this next generation coming through to give them more of that personal interaction. And I think that's, a, you know, extremely important. And it's something that we have to do on our end to reach out to them. Um, I think there are, you know, some excellent rock stars, rising stars in our field that just, it comes with them naturally. Personality wise, it's very easy for, for a lot of up and coming stars that I'm seeing now. Um, but those that are, you know, trying to break into the industry and just don't know who to talk to. I think it's up to us to be able to, whether it's at conference or, you know, our own chapters to be able to reach out and really connect. Um, when I was with the, still am the New York state chapter of, of CMA, we had a lot of uh, networking opportunities with um, Niagara university and RIT and uh, Buffalo state. You know, we, there's student chapters that we made at a point, whether it was through, scholarship opportunities or just have inviting them to all of our chapter meetings. That was another opportunity for us to reach out and connect with them. If you don't ask, the answer is always no as well, right? Right, exactly. So the Copeland, Keebler, and Wallace team members are committed to the success of their clients, the professionals they place, and the industry they love. Through their commitment and dedication, they are able to advance the careers of their candidates, improve the well-being of their clients, and have fun every day. Learn more at www.kknw.com. So, Michael, now that you're working with the Copeland, Keebler, and Wallace team, what can people, what should people know about you and how you can help their club? Well, I think the background that I've had with um, my career, I, I, you know, I've worked in not only private clubs, but you look at the, the different areas of private clubs, um, yacht clubs, city clubs. Um, you know, country clubs. In addition, my background, I, uh, I was, I was very fortunate to work for Hilton restaurant group for five years, which was a division of Hilton hotels. So I, I've been able to see all different aspects of hospitality and able to really, um, refine my skill set to help your club and to help, you know, your, find the next general manager or assistant general manager, you know, next future leader, uh, at, at your, at your operation. And I think I, I bring just from the clubs that I visited and clubs that I've been able to work with and see so far. I mean, there's, there, there are so many different things that I could bring to the table to help you get to where you need to get to. But the big question is you're a second mm-hmm. generation club guy. Will there be a third generation, Michael Smith and the family? You have two boys, right? <laughs> I have two boys, one's 12 and the other's 11. They both have the personality. I, you know, I think they are very supportive. We'll see what happens. I mean, they, we've got a ways to go, but um, they've grown up 
understanding clubs. They understand what dad does. And um, you never know. It's definitely <laughs> the opportunities there for them uh, well, if they take it. But they also, they also have to be able to understand, like, the, the industry's changing as well. It's definitely there is a, you know, demand of time, which I think is, is a, a complex thing in today's up-and-coming managers, balancing that time and balancing, you know, um, their career. Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for tuning in to the KKNW podcast where leadership, strategy, and forward-thinking ideas emerge. Learn more at www.kknw.com. And that end is spelled out. For Michael Smith, I'm Corey Sabin from CS Media Works. Have a wonderful day.